come stop and take a trip down on my block what you see hidden potential young minds sharper than ginsu and ain't afraid to speak they mind if they got something against you no we standing with you we tackle issues like civic pride hate will cease to exist let's put our differences aside from my side to your side from dutch town to south side from Penrose to north side from benton park to old north to west end the west side we bless when we step out we stand down rise up stand together wise up this is stitch cast studio produced by st louis story stitchers in st louis missouri in this week's episode, the Stitch Cast sits down and has a conversation about domestic violence with our special guest, Bridget Welch. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. I'm your host, Brandon Lewis, and I am accompanied by a couple members of our Stitch Cast. And now today we're going to tackle a uh, pretty heavy topic which isn't unusual for us this is kind of where we operate um we've been doing a series and if you listen to our podcast you're probably already aware of this but we've been doing a series on how misunderstanding a group of people could lead to fearing that group of people and how fearing that group of people can lead to hating that group of people and so a bunch of us got together and we came up with this long list of people that we believe are misunderstood and uh domestic violence survivors definitely fit that category today we're going to dive into this topic in hopes that it'll help someone whether it be writing some of those misunderstandings or whether it be uh helping a potential or future survivor navigate their situation when they're in it so that being said we have a wonderful guest with us uh we have bridget welch who i'm gonna let you uh actually uh speak a little bit on yourself but thank you so much for being here Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, So I'm Bridget Welch. I'm at Safe Connections. I'm our director of crisis and community education. I volunteered, I work part-time, and now I lead two programs within our office. So before before this, I used to work in higher ed. Um, I worked in college and universities for about 10 years. And I was an art student. I love what you all do, the connection of justice and art, creative expression. Um, that's part of my path, so everything lines up with who I am. I'm so glad to, to be with you. Beautiful. Thank you. We're glad to have you. We're definitely glad to have you. So let's get into some of the uh, misinterpretations of domestic violence survivors. Now, a lot of people that have never been in a domestic violence situation might say, well, if they're hitting you, why don't you leave? Why are you staying? Uh, what are some of the things uh, mentally and physically that would stop someone who's in an abusive situation from leaving? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I know there's a delicacy of that jumping in. Um, and I heard you say too, you know, this is a heavy topic. Um, the work I do is very hard. And I know many of us, probably all of us in this room in some way, um, have been a survivor, have had loved ones who are survivors. So it touches all of us, this issue. Um, I get that question a lot about like, why don't people just leave? You know, on average, people may leave an unsafe relationship eight times. That's average. So people are coming and going, coming and going from unsafe environments more than that. Um, My family members ask me that, friends ask me that. Why wouldn't someone just pack a bag and go? And there's a lot of reasons. Um, You know, I've heard some of your past podcasts You've talked about mental health, about poverty, about folks who are unhoused. 
all of that's connected. You know, if you think about it, even if you've never experienced these issues, I do this sometimes in my house. I look around and I go, okay, if I had to leave today, what would I take? I take my vaccine card, <laughs> my driver's license. <laughs> you need those these days. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, I need that. Um, I pick up my cat, some sentimental items, and then look back as if I'm never going to walk into my house again. Okay, so like put yourself in that mindset. There's a lot of barriers. Where am I going to go? Who am I going to talk to? Um, do I have the money I need to totally financially start over? You know, and that's just the skimming the surface. For someone who has a long-term relationship with a partner, a partner who may be abusive or harmful or not safe, you may want that person to get better. You may want that person to heal. You may love that person. You may be sexually attracted to that person, you know? So like, it doesn't make it easy when you may want to see that healing happen, when there's these promises of things getting better. That's at least a little bit of why you see people come and go. And if I was to leave and pack my bag and go stay with a family member, and they go, oh, thank God you left this person. We've all hated this person. They're so terrible. And then I go back. Now I know what my mom, my sister, my friends really think about this person. And am I going to go back to them a second time and a third time? Probably not. Friends and family get burned out. You burn bridges. A lot of people in like marriages or long-term relationships start to control things systematically. So it's not just the law and order, you know, really obvious physical abuse, those stereotypes of what abuse is. It could be someone saying, you know what, we don't need two cars. Let's just have one car. You know what, let me take care of the finances. I'm happy to do that for us. And all of a sudden we're talking to people who have moved three states away from home that don't know anyone, don't have any connections of friends or church or work. I've worked with survivors who've been out of the professional field for decades. They have no idea where to start. I can't even get a job in food service because I haven't worked for 40 years. You know, so then you're stuck mm. and you stay. Wow. You know, so it's, it's getting those pictures of what does this actually look like mm -hmm. that's not just that one incident where the police are called, that one incident at the hospital. It's a series and a layering of things that are psychological, verbal, physical abuse, financial abuse, religious abuse. One of, uh, I guess, the symptoms of domestic uh, abuse would be uh, an attempt for the abuser to isolate the victim. Yeah. Uh, could you get into uh, that any deeper? Sure. So, you know, I think it's hard to tell it's happening sometimes from the outside. And it's like you don't know what you don't know. If you haven't experienced it yourself, if you haven't had a loved one experience it, what does that actually look like? Um, so it could start off as someone being charismatic. To me, charismatic is always like a four-letter word. It always sets off red flags for me when someone is like overly charming, really complimentary, giving a lot of gifts. There's a lot of like really fast, really forceful attention. Um, so it starts there. You know, no one on day one is doing this like systematic form of abuse. So, you know, what does that look like for isolation? It may look like someone caring for their partner, um, helping them, taking care of things, giving them attention, you know, so saying like, oh, no, I've got the check. So that's really normal, you know, for someone to always take the check at a meal. But if it happens every time, there might be a sense of control. 
you know, or if they start to move where you live, limit you from, you know, we've, we've talked with many clients where they, they can't talk to friends. First, maybe it starts with, you know, if it's a straight couple, a woman who's a survivor can't talk to any men, you know, there might be a sense of jealousy, you know, and then, oh, it's like, well, oh, I want to respect my partner. Sure. I won't talk to men. Well, now I don't want you talking to your friend who are women because they're talking about us, they're gossiping, they're judging us, whatever it is that comes up that may or may not be actually true. So then they're not talking to family or friends. They're not allowed to go to church. They can't talk to kids, parents, you know, or neighbors, whatever it is. So then a person could be at home by themselves, limited connections, limited access to money. Um, Something I've seen increase year by year is technology abuse too. You know, so maybe there's a like family tracking app and they're following the person, they're following finances. There's kind of this like detail monitoring that starts to happen. Um, Sometimes survivors know what's happening. Sometimes they don't. Um, We've always talked to people about, you know, if there's like an app on your phone that seems to be running a lot, your calculator app is like 50% of your use and your battery keeps dying. There might be a tracking app on your phone Mm. and teaching people how to like look for those things, see those things. Wow. So isolation, control, um, sort of asserting power Mm. that is the perfect storm for potentially abuse. Wow. How often do you uh, come across uh, people having uh, tracking apps and devices on their phones? It's more and more common. Um, I think especially in long-term relationships, people are becoming tech savvy. And if they don't know it, Google, our friend Google, YouTube is right there to teach them. So it it happens. It happens probably more than you realize. Um, And again, it could start maybe with someone who feels like they're being well-intentioned. You know, I just want to know where you are today and I want to check on you. And maybe it seems okay. Maybe even the person knows about it. The survivor knows. But there's a point where it becomes not okay, obsessive, controlling. Okay. Um, what do you think triggers the like abuse to be like abusive in a relationship? In the first place. Yeah, in the first place. What like could it be like probably like childhood or just like it can be your background, your family, the messaging that you received about relationships. I think that's true for some people and that's a part of it. And I think a really hard truth in my field is people who are survivors are sometimes also abusers. People who grew up with childhood abuse or neglect may replicate some of that dysfunction or violence in their adult relationships. Um, So, and in that case where someone is like both a survivor and an abuser, it's like, where is the help for you? My field might turn away someone. Um, We know that men and boys can also be survivors. We know LGBTQ people can also be survivors. There is not a perfect survivor. It touches every part of the community. Where I think some of the problem and solution could be is in education. I know what my sex ed looked like in grade school and high school, and it was lacking. (laughs) And I'm sure I see some head nods. It was true for many of us. Consent and healthy relationships, not just, you know, contraceptives and what happens, but the whole perspective of what dating and healthy relationships should look like. So if no one is talking to me as a child about consent and healthy relationships, and then I grew up to be a teen who like, I have to hug my uncle who I think is creepy at the family gathering, 
or I have to just say yes to the date because the person keeps being persistent and pressuring me. And then my long-term partner has this like systematic controlling abuse. Like it all kind of sets me up for failure, right? To me, that solution is in teaching young people and teaching adults who are willing to learn to undo that socialization of, of harm, of violence. You know, we, we accept a lot. You know, it's just very normal for us to talk about friend zone and rape culture and jokes around sexual violence. It's very ingrained, you know. If something happens to someone, you know, the first question is, well, were they drinking? What were they wearing? Who were they with? Well, that person should have really protected themselves from these things happening, rather than looking at, why did that person do that violence? What happened to that person who perpetrated that? What was the environment, you know, so go bigger past that person? What allowed that person to think that that was okay? What were the conversations they were having? You know, and as we back up farther and farther, it's all of us. <laughs> all of us are responsible for the conversations we have around dating, relationships, sex, cons consent, mental health. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's that time again. Time for another Stitchcast Studio Arts Interlude. That's right. It's time to pick the city up. This week, we have a Story Stitches original song entitled Anti. Anti, anti, I ain't bother you, where did I go wrong? Anti, anti, I ain't no net, please leave me alone. Anti, anti, bully me, then regret it when I'm gone. Anti, 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 anti. Anti, anti, I ain't bother you, where did I go wrong? Anti, anti, I ain't no net, please leave me alone. Anti, anti, bully me, then regret it when I'm gone. Anti, 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 anti. With a dream, not on involved blocks with the beam. I don't wanna hit the blunt, I don't wanna sit the lean. Got my head on straight with a high self esteem, cause I'm huh, headed for the top. Ain't got no time for no roadblocks. I ain't hitting the block in the spot. Ay, ducking the cops, ducking the shots. Facts, you need to pick up the slack. You could be the leader of the pack. Ain't no sense of following the blind. I guarantee they won't have your back. You ain't gotta do what they do, shoot what they shoot. Decisions all up to you. Ain't no breeze, cause if you ask me, I tell them one, two, three. Ay. Anti, anti, I ain't bother you. Where did I go wrong? Anti, anti, I ain't no net, please leave me alone. Anti, anti, bully me, then regret it when I'm gone. Anti, 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 anti. Anti, anti, I ain't bother you, where did I go wrong? Anti, anti, I ain't no net, please leave me alone. Anti, anti, bully me, then regret it when I'm gone. Anti, 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 anti. These boogies wanna take my chain, get in my lane, bash my name. I ain't even do nothing, just tryna go to school and get my A's, get my A's. They wanna see me fail, cause they ain't living well, so they picking on me. Feeling like a cell, I don't even wanna tell, cause it probably get worse and I really get hurt. Shovel put them in the dirt, don't lose your crown, use your smile, don't lose your style just to prove something. But don't do nothing, you need to say something. While your veins pumping and your J stumping like, bully stay in your lane, bully stay in your lane. Excuse me, teacher, can't handle my light way. Anti, anti, I ain't bother you, where did I go wrong? Anti, anti, I ain't no net, please leave me alone. Anti, anti, bully me, then regret it when I'm gone. Anti, 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 anti. Anti, anti, I ain't bother you, where did I go wrong? Anti, anti, I ain't no net, please leave me alone. Anti, anti, bully me, then regret it when I'm gone. Anti, 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 anti. Yeah. Why you gotta bother me? 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 Yeah. Why you got
gotta be in touch for doing me. I'm penalized. Ever since I've been alive, they had something to say. Things they would say used to take me on my way, but ever since I found my way, I see they getting in the way. Like whoa, they gon' hit you when you ain't low. Try to pull you to the dark. I know I'm a light. I glow. Try to keep it bright. Pyro set it off like a bomb. I blow to the stars. I go stepping over what's under me, knocking down what's in front of me. All you haters unnumber me, so you couldn't be one of me. Stumble, mumble, and fumble, and things you wouldn't get enough from me. Reason you wouldn't run me, hard to beat and keep up with me. Bet this smile when I'm struggling, when I'm down to be loving me. So go get it in life, but when I get it, they judge me. Think they jealous, keep touching me. Why do you always disgusting me? Misery loves company. I can see why they come for me. As a matter of fact, I'm fully loaded like a car when it's packed. I'm fully focused by the launch and attack. I'm fur form, and the weaker one was holding me back. Now ain't no fur form holding me back. I had fur form, now I'm fur form. They ever needed to bully me, I was hurt form. Now I'm in rare form. Now they lost power, had false power like a cow when he burnt arms. I conquer bullies at his fur, that's a trifecta. Word sharp, I might dissect it. Put in work like it's Tribeca. I know they planning on watching me. If they planning on stopping me, tell them try better. I used to crumble at the words they would speak. Mama promised me I'm greater, greater promises I keep. Cause I knew it's one thing that my bullies can't beat. Haters can't touch and my struggle can't beat, and that's me. You did kind of touch on the fact that uh, most abusers are actually victim, were victims of abuse, right? So if someone is making that transition, uh, and not that everybody's self-aware enough to do this in the first place, but if somebody's making that transition of, oh my goodness, I'm becoming abusive, I'm becoming uh, whoever abused me, um, what steps should they take to, to try to curb that behavior? You know, I think it's just not so clear. It's like there's good people, bad people. You know, I think that... There very few people come from that place of being malicious, being intentionally malicious. Right. And I think if you ask a lot of people who perpetrated that violence, they might not even see themselves in that way. Of um, course. So yeah, I think if someone is recognizing it, you know, maybe they, they see, I don't like how I get angry in relationships or something set me off or I can't control myself and such and such happens or jealousies coming up. There are resources for people, you know, and it may be counseling, or it might be um, talking with support groups, talking with people who are like you, who have similar identity, you know? So if this person's cisgender man, talking with other men, talking about masculinity, talking about healthy masculinity, um, talking about how to be a partner, a father, a spouse in a way that is true to who you wanna be and your values. Um, norming mental health, <laughs> you know, I think for everybody. And it doesn't have to be going to individual therapy session. I know therapy is not for everybody. I wish it was. I think all of us could benefit from going to therapy at least once. Um, I work at a mental health organization, but I know there's a lot of stigma and it doesn't quite work for everyone or the way that we do therapy doesn't quite work for everyone. Um, so finding the, the outlet, I think the the healing is connection, it's speaking those really vulnerable truths about what we struggle with. I think it's adults talking with young people about emotions and mental health, about trauma, so that we can just recognize as part of our culture, our stories, and maybe undo some of that. It just, it may look different for different groups of people, but I think there is something important about identity, about being with like people. Um, to me, I'm part of the queer community, so connecting with other people who are queer, people who walk through the world as I do, um, who may experience the troubles that I do, and, and kind of get that like nod of recognition. Um, sadly, I think a lot of our systems are not quite set up to meet everyone. You know, so if you see the organization has women in the title, or if you perceive that young white women are the only people who the field serves, then will you walk in the door of that organization? Maybe not. <laughs> you know, so really checking 
do I belong here? Do I see myself in this work? If I don't, then trying to find the place that suits you best could be through a church, could, could be through a neighborhood group, could be friends pulling together, could be on social media or online. Um, but finding something that speaks to you and feels safe. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I wanted to elaborate on something you touched on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you touched on abusers and past abuse. I think that that segues to a, a bigger discussion of general generational trauma and the effect that abuse has in that. Because you touched on it earlier, uh, yeah. how a father can hit a mother, a mother could hit a father, and the child could see that. And that has a lasting impression. And, to inform our audience that is something called generational trauma it is i don't want to like stereotype it to people of color but that is a very like it's an epidemic in minority communities especially people of color we struggle with that a lot generational trauma and that comes from abuse whether it's physical or emotional mental sexual exploitive abuse i think that has lasting impact so i was wondering after this bit of a statement how do you best help people that suffer from generational trauma or what are some steps or some red flags that are associated with generational trauma yeah great point (laughs) such a good link in absolutely and i love that you're teaching your community about that Um, i learned about generational trauma in school and it was like a light bulb moment to me and i called my mother Um, my family are immigrants and i called my mother and i said okay because my grandmother went through sexual violence and a war zone say you never went through any trauma say i never went through any trauma that generational trauma in our dna could affect me and my mental health and i was like just you know mind blown by that i'm at higher risk for depression suicidal ideation for substance use disorders like because of what my grandmother and what my grandmother's grandmother went through. Um, And that's just, I mean, first, I think some of that is just educating people that that exists, that that's real, that we have studies about that. We're not imagining those things, but really that that happens. Um, And it is in the fabric of who we are, uh, not just how we treat each other, but literally our DNA and our propensity to be more at risk for mental health. Um, So awareness. For people who've experienced that, if I'm working with someone directly who's talking about this, who's maybe describing something that I think could be generational trauma, you know, I want to ask consent and a lot of things, but can we talk about this? I'm hearing this pattern. Sounds like something that your family went through, your family's family, your ancestors. Have you heard about this? Is it helpful for you to know? Because maybe someone does or doesn't want to know more about it. It could be giving them some resources, some literature about it. And hopefully that person, it feels validating. Like it lets them off the hook to know they didn't do anything wrong. They don't need to be embarrassed. They're not to blame. I think a lot of times mental health risk, that stigma comes with like that shame, blame, embarrassment. Um, So maybe you could let them know they did nothing to do this. If they could control it, they would snap their fingers and go, I'm not depressed now. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? But um, hopefully it lets them see this is an illness just like diabetes or cancer or whatever, you know, and there are people who can help them if they want that help through clinical help, through psychotherapy, through um, pharmaceutical medication, you know, whatever it might be, like there are people who will help. Both of you said two things that I, that I really think are important to point out. 
um the first one is how uh misunderstood mental health uh kind of still is uh whereas a lot of people that don't experience depression kind of feel like oh you, you just feel sad everybody gets sad or whatever and they really think that that's all it is but i think it's important to understand that that depression is actually a uh and please correct me if i'm wrong i do not want to give false information but um i think it's important to understand that something like depression is a chemical imbalance in the brain that like that that's scientific it's it's, it's not it's not just oh I'm, i get sad more than other people it's, it's much more complicated than that and uh, I, I wish people that had these uh, issues felt more uh, validated in the fact that uh, they're, they're dealing with uh, real world things just, just as real as eczema or asthma or cancer or any other illnesses are uh, depression is one of them and other uh, many other mental health issues. Uh, and I would like to circle back to that. But one thing that you pointed out was uh, generational trauma. Yep. And I think it's also important to uh, understand that your parents traumatizing you doesn't necessarily mean that your parents were bad people yep. or anything like that you know a lot of people feel like oh my god i, I traumatized you i'm i'm you know you know no, nobody wants to think of themselves as a bad person like you said earlier very few people actually come from a place of malice you know so um and an example of that was uh i know the generation that comes before me and even the generation that comes before them they love to talk about how easy the next generation has it or how things are, things are so much easier now. Things are so much different. I couldn't say that. I would have got smacked. But whatever the case is, uh, I know at least in the at least in the black community, I don't know what everybody else's communities were like. That but um, crazy. Word. <laughs> Yo, and, and you know, you know, you know what's uh, interesting about it is that specifically uh, raising your tr- child a little more strict than how we get raised now, especially during the times of like the '60s and earlier was 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 necessary uh in a lot of ways you, you know things like that were necessary you had to be strict with the child because if a child acted up around the wrong people they could get lynched like 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 there, there could be real deal consequences for things like that and so you, you you almost couldn't afford to allow your child to have like an opinion or or, or to at least to be too expressive of an opinion uh out of fear for their safety you know, and of course, those things kind of trickle throughout the next generation or whatever. You know, you know, each generation is, you know, each generation takes what they think the parent did right and they apply it to their child or whatever. And it kind of like trickles down or whatnot. And sooner or later, it's all filtered out and it's a completely new, different form of raising children. But I did. I definitely wanted to point out that traumatizing somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person. You know, you can have the greatest intentions in the world and you, you might have even did a good thing that had a. Uh, terrible results but it's not as simple as oh you i I traumatized you i'm a horrible person or i'm a horrible parent or whatever the case may be i think that that is a very good way to sum up a lot of abuse people simplify abuse absolutely simplify abuse and the effect that it has on a person they simplify that abuse is just more than that's just two people abuse moves past those two people we talked about generational trauma it's friends it's family Mm -hmm. they're losing that loved one and that loved one themselves is going through so much trauma so much emotion Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's a lot of uh i think as we're getting more progressive with talking about uh trauma abuse i think like shows these days like before you're touching on topics Maybe we should do a podcast about euphoria just to see like (laughs) how we're (laughs) (laughs) just a thought but uh, we see like modern media touching on 
physical assault, emotional abuse, and just what abuse is in relationships, yet I feel like it's not like fully, like we haven't hit that mark of it can be emotional, it can be mental, mm -hmm. it can be exploitive. Like abusive things are not just relationships, y'all. Mm -hmm. They're family, they're friends. 100%. You can be abused by a friend, you can be abused by a family member. Yeah. It's not just sexual and it's not just exploitive. It could be mm -hmm. like just people making you different than what you are in a very negative way. It's them emotional. I think, I feel like abuse could be summed up to physical compromisation and emotional being like being emotionally compromised mm -hmm. against your will. Cause like you said earlier that people don't know it's a systematic thing of, of I'm going to emotionally tear you down and rebuild you in what I want you to be. And like mm -hmm. people don't get that. That's not simple. It's right. not as simple as I'm going to, I'm going to call you crazy and mm -hmm. I'm abusing you. No, it's years long work of mm -hmm. I'm going to do this over and over. I'm going to push this boundary over and over. It's almost like tactical in a way. It's, it's, it's weird when you think about it in like people, like there's like, we all have family members. We have experience with abuse. Some of us, and when we fully dig into it, it's so much more complicated than you could possibly think. There's so many factors into it. Mm -hmm. And I think that as we progress, I think media, especially popular internet media or visual media should tackle that, the non-simplicities of abuse and abuse isn't just one dimensional. I'm sexually exploiting you. It's emotional, physical. 100%, 100%. I agree with you, 100%, I definitely think so. Um, we're nearing the halfway point of the podcast and I want to uh, open the floor. If anybody in the audience has any questions or whatnot, you're uh, more than welcome to step up or any comments. It doesn't have to be a question. Hi, I'm Avery. I just had a couple of comments, really. Um, they're on two separate things. I think this conversation is really important and valuable. One thing, since we were talking a bit about like suicide and suicidal ideation, I think it's important to remember that like Although this isn't, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist either, but um, I think it's important to remember that we as humans, we are programmed to want to survive and to want to keep going. So if someone is feeling suicidal, something is really wrong, you know? So it's not really a choice that they're making or a series of choices that they have made that puts them in that position. Because at the end of the day, scientifically and um, we, we, the way that our brains are kind of programmed is to want to continue to want to survive. So I think that's just an important thing that we should all remember to like bring empathy to people who are feeling a certain way. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like point. a lot of people seem to like scarecrow eyes, like suicidal people, like suicidal, like you notice that whenever we discuss suicidal people, they're always portrayed as like these alt edgy, like, like the, like the, the, the different people. Right. The most popular people, we've like lost a lot of popular actors, a lot of popular literature, literature writers, a lot of celebrities that like we don't associate with like that different right. type of nature. Right. Yet they lost their lives to suicide. I feel like suicide needs, you touched on it a lot. You don't have to have like this image of you to be suicidal. Like sometimes it's pseudo, sometimes it's blatantly on your shoulder that you may be feeling that way, but it can apply to literally anyone definitely no matter where you are on how you look or how you operate that ideology can come to you and i think that it's admirable of you to say that it's it's everywhere absolutely 100 percent. and i would also even add not only uh the most popular people but there are people that uh, we've lost to suicide whose lives you would look at and think what, what were they unhappy about like what what was it there, there are people that you would look at and think they have every reason in the world to be happy 
and for some reason they're not you know and, and it's not it's not something that's people in poverty stricken areas don't have a patent on feeling suicidal or or, or 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 people that don't feel successful or whatever the case some people can people can achieve everything they've ever wanted to do in life and still have suicidal thoughts it's definitely not as simple as as just oh yeah i'm sad i really don't want to be here no more i'm gonna die you know it's definitely not that simple and you said you said it best earlier that we oversimplify a lot of uh a lot of mental health uh, issues or a lot of mental health conditions. I just thought that was important to say because I think in, in terms of like bringing empathy to the people, like you're talking about like education and stuff like that, I think this is an important thing to think about. Um, something else I was thinking about in that same vein of like what we can think about or like kind of change as like a whole, what we can kind of add to society and just like remind each other of um, is that in, in terms of like any abusive situation or really any situation at all, abusive or not, I think it's important to teach others how to set healthy boundaries um, because I think healthy boundaries, um, and as we're, I think we're all kind of learning, setting, yeah. <laughs> setting healthy boundaries and learning how to set healthy boundaries allows you to take care of yourself and to take care of other people. So long as you, of course, listen to those boundaries as well. Of course. Um, and this includes family. This includes everybody in your life. And it's not easy necessarily, especially with people who are family or who feel like entitled to a certain level of closeness to you. Um, but it is something that you are empowered to do. And I want people to feel empowered to do. Um, so I think like talking about this a lot and talking about like how to do this, I think would be a, a, like as an important conversation to have. Thank you for listening. We want to give a very special shout out to the Stitchcast Studio sponsors. Story Stitchers is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, the Lewis Prize for Music's 2021 Accelerator Award. Additional support for Stitchcast Studio and Story Stitchers Youth Programs was provided by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2021, Lust Corporations, The Charity Pot, and March for Our Lives Aid and allowance. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches.